Well, we're on uh, week two of our series for uh, this beginning of the new year, which is simply called Feed Yourself. It's a recognition that, well, it's wonderful and for us to gather together, whether it's like this in a, in a Sunday when we meet with a couple of hundred people or whether it's during the week when we are in our life groups or we're involved in ministry or we're just catching up with other Christian friends, maybe praying together or encouraging one another, there's also a significant part of our growth in Christ and our growth in faith that is simply our responsibility in quiet, private places where we feed ourselves with Christ and the Spirit and the Word of God. And last week, that's where we began. We began by thinking about delighting and meditating in the Word of God. That's where we meet Jesus. It's not just where we find out about Jesus. It's not where, just where we find out about God. It's not about just about what we read about the Holy Spirit. It's where we meet God. It's a place of encounter. As the Spirit of God and the Word of God come together, as we read and study, as we meditate, as we muse over it, as we mine the Word of God for truth and encounter God in it. Well, that was last week. Today, we're thinking about the fact the next kind of key foundation block for us in terms of how we grow in our faith is prayer. And that's not an unusual topic for us to be talking about here at Trinity. But that place of responsibility on us to seek God in prayer. And so I want us to go to the passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at it in both Luke, Luke's gospel and also in Matthew's gospel, where Jesus talks to the disciples about prayer. And so we're going to begin in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through to 4. Words are on the screen. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, of all the things the disciples might have asked Jesus to teach them about, they asked Jesus to teach them about prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And when you read the passage of Scripture, it sounds like, it looks like as you're reading it through, that they must have been watching or listening to Jesus as he found that certain place. They found him in prayer. And there was something about watching Jesus in prayer, and no doubt they would have seen it many times before. And they thought, wow, we, well, he prays differently from what we've normally seen. Maybe it's something they observed in him or something they heard. But what they want is, Lord, teach us to pray. What a great request. Of all the things that they thought they could ask of Jesus, something about prayer and watching Jesus at pray meant that they wanted to learn to pray in a new way. I don't know about you, but in, in my life there are times where, for whatever reason, the life of prayer in some ways has gone a little bit dry or stale. And I've come back to those points and said, Lord, teach me something new about prayer. I, I want to pray in, in the ways that you would pray. What was it you taught those disciples? 
teach me a new level of prayer, a new way of prayer. And I think it's important for us, no matter how long we've been in faith and been following Jesus and walking with him, it's important to acknowledge that we always need to learn to pray. There's always more to be learned in the place of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Learning from Jesus, learning from the scripture, learning from each other, and also by just praying. And the more we pray, the more we learn. And, and the more we pray personally, that seeking God in the place of prayer, the more we'll learn, the more God will show us, the more he will lead us as we pray. There's value and there's power in praying together. I love it when a group of people get together and they just start calling out on the Lord together. But there's also great power, and specifically for today, about personal prayer. That which you do with God privately. And the prayer that Jesus teaches them is a model of prayer. It's not just a prayer to recite that our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today this day our daily bread and forgive us our whatever you put in there, sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Deliver us from evil. For you is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and amen. And we just recite it off. But rather, Jesus teaches them a model of prayer, and each part of it teaches us something about prayer. There are various ways to pray. And perhaps you've never thought about that. But there are all kinds of ways in which we can pray, and Jesus teaches, and his model teaches us here about how to pray. Now, over uh, February and March, we are going to together walk through the Lord's Prayer. We're, we're not going to do all of it this morning. This is the first. Then we're going to think about a couple of other things for the next few weeks. But by the time we get to about the 11th of February, we're going to start into a very specific focus on the Lord's Prayer. And during the week, we want to encourage you to be part of the prayer course. And uh, the prayer course is... Uh, comes out of the 24-7 prayer movement uh, with Pete Gregg. It's accompanied by this fantastic book that we recommend as an accompaniment to it, uh, How to Pray, written by Pete Gregg, as is much of this material. And you can do that in a life group. We'd be glad for you to get connected with a life group. But you can also just follow it through yourself. There are videos and questions and suggestions for prayer so that you can begin to learn these various ways of just seeking God for yourself, feeding yourself in prayer. And each Sunday, we'll go through a section of the Lord's Prayer and say, well, what does this have to teach us? What was Jesus trying to teach us about prayer in each of these areas? And that course it goes through various ways that this prayer helps us to pray. There's the prayer of adoration or petition or asking or intercession Asking on behalf of others. When we think about unanswered prayer, because it sometimes feels like that. Contemplation, listening for God in prayer, spiritual warfare, all kinds of different ways to pray. But this morning, before we jump into various types of prayer, I want us just to recognize the joy, the power, the gift 
of drawing close to God in prayer. Last week, we celebrated the same about the Word of God. It's a place of invitation to draw near, to delight, to rejoice in God, and similarly with prayer. There's power in prayer. There's joy and delight. It's a gift. It's where we draw close to God. And so we're kind of asking this morning, why pray? What are we doing? What is it? What happens in the place of prayer? And really in prayer, we're picking up God's invitation to meet with him, to meet him, to talk with him, to listen to him. Prayer is personal. It's for you to connect with God who is the personal God, inviting you to deepen your personal relationship with with him. And while we can't necessarily see God, there's something about prayer that brings us, and, and here's the first thing today, that brings us face to face, face to face with God. The prayer begins on very personal terms. Our Father, Abba Father, our Father who is in heaven. And that word that is used often, and used again later in the New Testament about Father is, we use this word Abba Father, nothing to do with the 70s pop group, much as they're a delight as well. But it's, it's a word that expresses the very personal nature of fatherhood, an intimacy of a good father with his children. Now, I understand that in in our world today, the image and picture of a father is not always easy for everyone. I acknowledge that. And that's why the next part of the first verse is also so important, because this is talking about the intimacy of a relationship with our heavenly father, who is a father like no other. Whatever your experience has been, good or bad, with your relationship with your own father, what the beginning of the Lord's prayer teaches us, this Jesus prayer is, we come to a father who is like no other. You try and conjure up in your mind all that you uh, either did experience of the goodness of your father or all the things you would like to have experienced from your father and it'll not even be comparable with the goodness of our heavenly father. The personal God who invites us into an intimacy with him that is characterized by love and care. Our personal God But God is not like any other father. He's our perfect father who is in heaven. He sees you. He knows you. He holds you. He heals you. He leads you. He guides you. He teaches you. He trains you. He listens to you. He hears you. For some that may not immediately resonate with your experience of a father. But this is like a father like no other. And the beginning and the middle and the end of prayer is simply this. It's drawing close to our heavenly father. Knowing him more. And as we draw closer to him, he draws closer to us. And there's a great image in the New Testament. Uh, we go to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 called the throne of grace. 
It's a wonderful image and picture. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 4, 16. It invites us to draw close to this throne of grace, like, like God is sitting in uh, on his throne, a kind of royal place, and we're drawing near to him so that we might receive grace. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Now, that's a great phrase. It's, it, it's that place and that way in which we can enter, we can come to God in prayer. And there's a confidence, not because of what we have done, but because of who God is and what he has done in Jesus Christ. And so we can step confidently towards the throne of grace so that we may receive. Prayer is a place to receive from God mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now that image of the throne of grace really extends back into the Old Testament, back into Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, where we have another phrase or image of what's called the mercy seat from Exodus 25, 22. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant law, I will meet with you, says God, and give you all my commands for the Israelites. So in the temple, there are various different zones in the temple of which some, only certain people can go. And every year, the high priest would go into a place called the Holy of Holies, where God himself inhabited and dwelt. His presence was there, and only the high priest could go in behind the curtain to this Holy of Holies. And there the Ark of the Covenant would sit. And the, the covering over the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. And there every year, the high priest would sprinkle the blood of a sacrificed lamb on there for the forgiveness of the sins of his people. So often we talk about the covering. We're covered by the blood of Christ. It comes from that mercy seat imagery. And God said, I will meet you there. Now, in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go there on behalf of the people and be in the presence of God. But when we get to the New Testament, when we come to the death and resurrection of Jesus, you may have remembered this from the story of Easter when Jesus is on the cross and the curtain of the temple, what happens to it? It's torn in two. It's rent apart, ripped apart. And the imagery of that is no longer is it the high priest who can only go into that meeting place, but all are welcome to the mercy seat, the throne of grace because of what Christ has done in the cross. And so with confidence, we enter that holy place to be in his presence and to receive from him mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The place of prayer, the coming to the throne of grace is where we meet with him. I will meet you there. That's prayer. Face to face, an interface. An interface is a, a point where two systems or two subjects or two realms or two organizations or whatever it might be, meet and interact. Our life and God's life. Our heart and God's heart. Our world and God's world. Our presence and God's presence. Our spirit, God's spirit. In the place of prayer, face to face, an interface. And we need to seek that time 
and place with him because it's where we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's where we meet God and he releases to us what we need for what we face. Well, I want to go to the other part of the Gospels where we also have the teaching of the Lord's Prayer from Jesus. So I want us to go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. And again, the words will be on the screen. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. This comes just before Jesus shares again with them the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in their synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, not if, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he goes on with the rest. In order for this face-to-face kind of prayer to happen, we need to seek prayer from the secret place. Somehow we have to find the time and place to seek God sincerely, to find our secret places, to put into practice the instruction from Jesus. Go into your room, close the door, and pray. A very private moment, just you and God. It's that kind of seeking that Jesus teaches his disciples to pursue. Now, I want to be clear. Prayer can happen any way, at any time, and in any place. That's the beauty of talking with God. But if you really want to meet God deeply, we cannot escape this teaching of Jesus. There has at times been a trend towards a casual prayer life. Just whenever. Well, you can speak to God anytime. So just, just know whenever, as you walk and as you do your stuff, if you remember, pray. And there is something about that, just walking and praying just as you can. But the danger of that type of casual approach to a prayer life is that we get into the mindset that there's no need for any structured commitment to prayer. And we forget that Jesus said, actually, get yourself into a place. Make it a quiet place. Carve that out for you however you can. Get the door closed and seek your Father in heaven. And from that place, you'll discover that your day-to-day casual prayer will come to life in a new way because you've sought him from the secret place and in the secret place. That's where the deeper communion with God emerges from that place. 
the secret place can actually be a room where we close the door, just you and God, and pray. I have a, a prayer chair, which I just go and sit in, and I, I just seek God there. And you know, I know I'm at a stage in life now where I don't have young kids running around and causing chaos or anything like that. I understand that. And there, I pour out my heart to God, and I meet with him. And I close the doors. It doesn't necessarily have to be a room, but it's a good place. It could be another place to be alone with God. But when the disciples watched Jesus pray, he was outside. He was in a certain place that they witnessed where he was. Luke chapter 11, the disciples saw him in a certain place. That's what triggered their Jesus teaches to pray like you pray. Luke's gospel has Jesus on mountain sites, in solitary places. But he was there to seek the Father. An intentional, structured time simply to seek his heavenly Father and to encounter the Spirit. Wherever it is, the important thing is that there is this one-to-one seeking and listening. And that takes time. To get into that place and take time to be with God. You can't rush it. God can't be rushed. And if you rush through it, you'll miss God. God cannot be rushed. He meets us in the present, in the moment. And it's beautiful to meet and to be still in the presence of God and to pray. To be in your presence, we sang. To sit at your feet where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire, Lord. And you... You can't really have that type of encounter if the only prayer you have is the casual prayer. Whenever, when I remember, quick prayer here, quick prayer there. Jesus said, that's great. Talk with me whenever you pray continually. But somehow, somewhere, you've got to find time to just be with me. Find a place, close the door, and seek your Father in heaven. You know, there are things that God can only do in you or give to you when you're in the secret place. He can't do it anywhere else. He'll not have space with you to do it. He invites you to that place so that he can do in you and give to you what you need. There are rewards and blessings and gifts and instruction and strength to be found in that place. let me remind you as myself what Jesus taught but when you pray go into your room close the door pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you will reward you there's reward when we're in the secret place because there are things that God can only do in that place with you And that will spill out into other areas of your life. And and maybe just as an important aside, sometimes we're too busy speaking to God that we don't listen for God. Jesus said, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And sometimes we can 
have a prayer time where all, it's just all us. All comes in. But there's also a time to be still. Now, we're going to look at that in the prayer course. So I'm not going to say too much about it just now. But part of our prayer is being still. We do have to share things with God, but also to be still and to listen. And actually, that's, that's a great liberation. Because sometimes thinking that you haven't got the right words is a real stumbling block for people. But actually, we don't need a lot of babbling. We speak from the heart. And then we also pause and be still and listen for the voice of God. And we'll look at some of these things as we go. God calls us to the secret place to increase our face-to-face life and relationship with him. Face-to-face in the secret place of prayer. So here's, here's what I want to say. Let's not dumb down prayer. Let's not reduce it or minimize it to fleeting chats with God. As if God should be thankful that we've given him any time at all. I mean, I'm very busy, God. But instead, seek him in the secret place. Prioritize prayer and time to be in his presence, to speak and listen and to grow with him and in him and let him give to you and do in you what only he can do. And as that happens, you will find that your face-to-face in the secret place becomes, thirdly, a grace space. Man, I've worked hard to get everything to rhyme this Sunday morning. Face-to-face in the secret place, which becomes a grace space. And this is grace space is a space to receive from God the grace we need for the things we face. And as Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray, he goes on to talk to them about, you don't receive because you don't ask. So ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It's the place of grace. The grace space. That's what prayer is. Let me go back to uh, that short verse that we read about the throne of grace from Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What are we receiving and finding in this grace space? Well, first of all, it says we find mercy. We receive mercy from God. And that there is a, there, we often use mercy and grace simultaneously or exchangeably, and I understand why we do that. But if we press in a little, they, they have slightly different nuances. When we think about mercy, in many ways, we, we're thinking about that which God gives to us compassion and forgiveness out of his mercy he looks upon us not as we deserve but with forgiveness cleansed by the blood of christ forgiven by him mercy from god we have received mercy for the wrong 
that has been in our, in our lives. And God, of his great love, has mercy on us. And in Christ, we receive mercy from God. And we receive that so that we can then be merciful to others. Now, that's the difficult bit, and we'll get there in a little moment. But to experience that mercy from God in spite of what we've done, who we are, our failures, our sin, our weakness, we receive mercy from God in Christ. And so when we approach God, the throne of grace and prayer, we are recipients of God's mercy in Christ. Mercy. And so we receive mercy for our own wrong. And then we receive grace for everything else that's wrong and for everyone else's wrong. Because we need grace for that. Mercy for ourselves so that we can be merciful for others, but grace so that we can face what is happening in our life and the people in our lives past and present, where perhaps wrong has come from them to us. We need both mercy for ourselves and grace so that we may have mercy towards others. Only God can do that. In our own natural selves, we can try as hard as we can, but it's God who gives mercy and grace as we seek him. And there are some words in the prayer Jesus teaches which are difficult but utterly essential when he says, forgive us our sins or our trespasses or our debts, depending on which version you read, as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us, our debtors. And we need both mercy for our own wrongs but also God's grace so we can extend mercy to others. And we receive that grace face to face in the secret place. And that can take time. That can take time if someone has wronged you, either in the present or in the past. In the secret place, it can take time for grace to do its work in us so that we can extend mercy to a particular person. My experience is that sometimes I have to expose my brokenheartedness to God, my anger, my frustration, my disappointment in another person. I, I have to confess my sense of my rightness and their wrongness. And instead ask God to give me grace to lead me from the weight of unforgiveness to the freedom of forgiveness. And my story is, I need to find that in the secret place with God. There, there are countless times, and I'm sure many of you will have the same testimony, but because of people around you, when wrong is done against you, undeserved particularly. And there's, there's that internal turmoil, anger, frustration, powerlessness. There have been times where I've gone 
either to my chair or to my bed. And, and even the anger has been so much that I begin to even have tears in my eyes. Somehow beginning the journey of calling out to God. I, I don't want to sit in that. The place of anger and unforgiveness that can lead, if it takes root, to bitterness and resentment. But instead, in that secret place, however long it might take, to find that grace so that I can extend grace to others. There is, sadly, the poison of unforgiveness. Lots of people are claiming that they spoke these words, so I've not put anyone's name against them. Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping your enemy, the other person, will die. And if you've had to live with unforgiveness, you'll know the truth. The weight that unforgiveness puts on us. Unforgiveness is at best paralyzing. At worst, it's absolutely lethal for our lives. It has the power to take root and destroy. And the first person we free when we forgive is ourself. And that's why Jesus concludes his teaching on prayer like this. It's critical. We receive grace so that we can face the people and the situations that we need to extend grace to. Otherwise, we'll hold unforgiveness and it will destroy us. Jesus in Matthew 6 says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, it's really tough words. And I have had many occasions in talking with people who, who don't seem to experience the forgiveness of God, even though it's already been announced over their life because they're wrestling with unforgiveness in their heart as well. And they've held it and hoarded it. Sometimes they've even made partnerships with them that it's right for them to hold it. But it's lethal. And it bears such a weight over our lives. And I know this is not easy teaching. This is some of the most difficult stuff that we have to deal with. And it's why we need God to do something in us. To release his grace to us as we meet face to face with him in the secret place. There are some things only God can do in your heart as we approach the throne of grace to receive mercy, not just for ourselves, but grace for all the rest that is around us, the people, places, and things. This takes time, honesty, persistence in the secret place as God renews our heart with his grace so that we can begin to release forgiveness and mercy to others.
when it comes to prayer, Pete Gregg writes this in his book, How to Pray, and in the prayer course that we'll do. In prayer, keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. And there is a perseverance in prayer, in honest prayer, that allows God in the secret place to release grace to us. It's a grace space. And we need it. We need it. How do we pray when we carry unforgiveness towards another? Well, earlier, before he gets to teaching the disciples about prayer, he gave this teaching about enemies from Matthew 5, 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's the beginning. Pray for those who persecute you. And I imagine that some of you are, are thinking, how do I even begin to do that? But that's something to begin with. And there is power in praying for those who have hurt us or harmed us, who have been against us or enemies, who have persecuted us, who have oppressed us, even those who might have abused us. And I know it sounds crazy and nonsense at first hearing. But Jesus knows what he's talking about. As he hung on the cross, having been abused in all kinds of way, ways by those who were around him. That's who he prayed for. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I understand that it's a difficult place to start to pray. But there's power in it that will begin to break. It is very difficult to keep praying for the same people and continuously hold a grudge. It will begin to loosen from your heart and on your heart. It becomes increasingly difficult to hold unforgiveness to another person when we keep praying for them and for ourselves. This is upside down stuff. This is the upside down nature of Jesus' teaching. But it's necessary. And as we pray, God works in us as we approach the throne of grace. That means we have to keep pressing in, keep pushing in through prayer. One of the things I love about the prayer course and the how to pray is they have these great little ways to remember how to pray. And there's one that Pete Gregg uses, which I think is helpful, particularly in this area of forgiveness and receiving grace and healing so that you can extend grace to another. And it's around this word, push. Pray until something happens. I think one of the challenges that we have in, in prayer is what we want to do is we want to press in in prayer for a bit and hope something happens quickly. And then if it doesn't, we just leave and, and go. I, I, I remember learning from, the old, from some of the old timers in the church when I first came to faith in Jesus. They, they used, to, used to use the word tarry. Let's just tarry in prayer and keep pressing in until God broke in and did something. 
and lift it. And pushing in is praying until something happens. And there have been times in, in the secret place where I have to remain present until I sense God doing something, until something happens, supposing that takes me a long time. Friends, there are times, and you may think this is to my shame, but I don't care. There are times I have to disappear. Sometimes even for a couple of days. Just to seek God. Because I need something to happen. Now it's not often and it's not always and it's probably not as much as I should. But there's something about that perseverance. Push until something happens. And you may be surprised at what God does when we remain in that secret place. Don't give up. Everything will battle against you. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. This is the prayer that God wants you to pray. He wants to answer that prayer for grace, for mercy. Don't let unforgiveness work its poison. Instead, pray and let God give grace. You know, there's so much more that God wants to do in us as we pray face to face in the secret place, in the grace space. We're only touching the tip of the iceberg today, scratching the surface. But God invites you to meet him, to come to the secret place, the meeting place, face to face with God. And at the throne of grace, receive all that you need. What a privilege. What a joy. Invite the worship team to come up. Would you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for the moments, the little fleeting moments throughout our day where just in, in, in a, a few seconds or a minute, we, we, we erupt in prayer. It's wonderful. Thank you that in every circumstance, in every circumstance, the, the, the gates are open. You welcome us calling in your name, wherever we are. Thank you for that, Lord. May that increase among us. But Lord, I thank you also for those precious moments where we go into whatever that room looks like for us or that place, that certain place. We close a door. We, we single ourselves out just to be with you and we seek our Father in heaven. And the work of God begins to take place in us in ways that can't happen in any other way. And it's a joy and it's a privilege and sometimes it's a wrestle and a fight and a battle. But there, the forces of darkness begin to be broken and dispelled and instead, the kingdom of light comes in. Instead, your kingdom breaks in in our kingdom. Our hearts are meeting your heart. Our spirit mingles with your spirit and you break in on us as we press into the throne of grace and we find mercy for ourselves and grace for everything and everyone else. God, we need you. We need that work of God in our lives in that grace space. And forgive us, Lord. We, we know that there are so many other things that demand, demand our time and attention. So many things that take us away. And the enemy would seek to steal that time 
distracting us to so many other things. But Lord, of all the things that your disciples wanted to know, they saw you in the place of prayer with the Father. And they said, we want to pray like that. And Lord, from that flow of the secret place, all kinds of work is done in us and through us and from us. And Lord, I, I want to be one of those who delights in that secret place with you. Let my heart be renewed in mercy and in grace. And so for those who gather here. And Lord, again, I want to announce that whatever we feel so many of us carry a weight of, of guilt about our lack of prayerfulness. Lord, remind us that we live in today. Yesterday has been, we live in today, and today there is always fresh grace. Hallelujah. And so in these moments just now, Lord, we are seeking you, and we want to make new commitments to you about this life of prayer that you call us into. May we find mercy and grace as we seek your face in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it's going to be a number of weeks that we go through this prayer. Start now and find your secret place and get there and discover God in new ways. Let's worship together.